Ephesians chapter 1 is where we will be this morning. All right, so we have been going through Ephesians 1, starting in those first two verses, and, and, and let's, let's read that together. Let me find that, and we'll read it together if my iPad will work with me. Nope, don't close that out. No? Okay, do that instead. Wow. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. A greeting by Paul to the church. We've been covering those. I'm, I'm not going to spend that, that much time on that this morning because you can go back and listen to them in, uh, on, on our, um, our sermon site that we have and, and just kind of catch up with, with what's happening there. But those first three weeks that we've spent so far is we, we've been introducing the theme of what it means to be in Christ. And so by doing that, we, we started off by looking at the church in Ephesus by going back to Acts chapter 19. That was, that was week one. Uh, week two, we covered the grand themes of, of the book of Ephesians, um, the, the great themes, right? And we went through six of those. So some of y'all might have your notes. You can look back and see those, those six grand themes of, of, uh, that we see going through the, uh, uh, the book of Ephesians. And then last week, we covered um, what it means to be a saint, as Paul addresses the saints who are in Ephesus. And, and so today, we are going to continue uh, along that idea of what it means to be a saint, what it means to find our identity in Christ, in the Lord, from those grand themes that we see flowing through Ephesians, but now looking at verse 3, looking at, at verse 3. So let's, let's read that together now. It says this, Blessed be God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now right here you can see that three times one word was being used. That's the word blessed or blessed or blessing, right? The same root is being used three different times. And so this is kind of the idea of what we're, talk, we're going to talk about today is blessings or what it means to be blessed. Um, the, this, this word blessing or, or blessed is thrown out a lot. We, we hear it a lot. Uh, some of us have even uh, adopted it as our... Um, as our response to someone when they ask us, how are you doing? And, and we just say, I'm blessed, right? We, we, we hear that. Uh, we, but it's, it's used a lot, right? We see it on, on people's cars, you know, blessed and, and, and some other ways. But it, it, is, it is all over the place. And, and unfortunately, I think in light of this text and what Paul is going to expound for us and, and what we're going to see in Ephesians is that this word has been thrown out a lot and yet it's lost its meaning. And it's, and it's lost its meaning, and maybe even to us. And so, so today, we want to kind of recover that today. We want to, we want to recover uh, these words. Just like we recovered the word saint last week, this week we want to recover this word, what it means to be, what it means to be blessed. Um, the prosperity gospel, if you're familiar with the prosperity gospel, basically says is if you just have a little bit more faith, if you just do a little bit more, God will give you more things, right? Meaning he will give you a a better car. He will give you a better job. He will, he will heal you from the suffering or heal you from a pain or a disease or whatever it is. And the reason why you are facing all of those things, the reason why you are 
uh, facing suffering and pain and you don't have those things and other people do have those things is because you don't have enough faith, right? Um, and, and quickly, we, we want to run from that and we want to say that that is an anti-gospel. That is not the gospel. Um, it's false. Um, and, and yet, it, it, they have used the prosperity gospel, those who believe in the prosperity gospel, have, have claimed that word, blessed, be blessed in a way that refers to you drive a nice car or you have a nice job or, or, or you make lots of money. And, and we want to quickly run from that, meaning that that's not what it means to be blessed. Unfortunately, the evangelical church has somewhat done the same thing, that the only way someone can consider themselves blessed is if they have, is that they, that they have things. And, and, and yet what we see in Scripture, and yet we also see in the reality of the church around the world, is what it means to be blessed is not the one who has something or has more than others, but it's the one who has Christ. And it's the one who is firmly confident in Christ. And so we want to, uh, through the Scripture, through God's Word, through the work of the Holy Spirit this morning, we want to see a recovery of that Word this morning, what it means to be blessed in, in Christ. So in this text here, we're going to run through it, we're going to just unpack it together, and we'll, we'll draw out some implications together and what it means to be blessed. Paul starts off right here in the first verse, right here in the very first phrase here. He says, blessed be the God and Father. Blessed be the God and Father. Now, now here, blessed is not used in a direction toward you or toward me. It's direction toward God. And, and in this direction, in the way that this word is being used, it's an adjective to describe God. God is the one who is blessed. Meaning God is the one who is praiseworthy. Right? And, and so what, he is, what he's really showing here, the undercurrent, that even though we may not be worshiping him, and the world, as general, may not be worshiping him, God is still infinitely blessed and infinitely praiseworthy. From the very get-go, this is what Paul is saying here. And truthfully, if you want to, I just want to pull it out. He's really kind of starting off in a, in a doxology a little bit. You guys know what a doxology is? A glory, right? To, to glorify God. He, he is starting off in just complete adoration to the worship and praiseworthiness of, of God is what, he is what he is bringing about. And every time that this word blessed is used in the adjective sense, it is always being used in the manner of referencing, referencing God. I mean, the praiseworthiness, the blessedness of God. So we need to see already from the get-go, when we get into this paragraph, that we're going to spend some time unpacking together, is that this is about the praiseworthiness of God. This is about the worship of God. Blessed. Blessed be the God, the Father, the praise, worthiness. And I believe that as, as we encounter this text, as Paul was known writing this and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when we, when we encounter the holiness and greatness and the depth and the riches and the grace and the mercy of God, our response should be this exact same. Instantly. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship. 
praiseworthiness of God. Truly, what our worship is, is not adding to God, it's kind of joining with God. It's, it's a joining with Him. It's not a us, we're adding to Him, because God doesn't need our worship. He's not lacking there. He didn't create you so that you could just worship Him because He was lacking. He doesn't need it. But our worship is a joining of the blessedness, of the praiseworthiness of God. And that is what our response should be when we encounter the Word of God and by the work of the Spirit. And yet, doesn't it seem so rare, in particular when we talk about what it means to be blessed, doesn't it seem so rare that, that the church, that people are, are bringing it about in such a way that it is to extol God, to worship God, to make much of God? Doesn't it reveal more about our attitudes and how we feel in the worship of God than it actually does about who God is? Why do we want to worship God? Do we worship God? Do we just worship a God that's shaped around our own ideas? Or is it, a, or is it God as revealed in Scripture? As revealed in, in Scripture. And so I, I, one thing that we, we want to reiterate over and over and over again is the authority of Scripture in this matter when it comes to our understanding of, the, of who God is. We must be willing every single time that when we come to the Scripture, when we come to the Scripture, we are willing to put aside what we believe who God is and subject it to what the what this teaching of the Scripture tells us who God is. If Scripture says, this is who God is, and yet you are believing something else, you always put what you believe in subjection to what the Scripture teaches. And this is what we see in this passage. And this is what we're going to see revealed, and particularly verses 4, uh, 4 through 14, ahead of us on who God is. That God the Father is the one who is to be blessed. God the Father is the one who is to be blessed. We worship Him. We worship Him. The church worships Him. Paul is calling us and directing us to the blessedness of God to worship Him, to enjoy Him. And let me tell you what this, why this connects so much to what we were talking about earlier in these last couple weeks is what we worship is what we identify in. What you worship is what you identify in. Now, you may not coin certain things as worship because you don't think that maybe that, that, that works out, but we're all worshiping something. We're all pursuing something. We're all going after something to find some kind of satisfaction in our life, whether it be relationships, popularity, education, wealth, popularity, whatever it is, authority, power. We're all going after something to satisfy us. And what you are going after is what you are worshiping. And what you are worshiping is what you identify in. And that's idolatry, right? If it's anything other than the Lord, as revealed in the Scripture, is idolatry. Sin. What is idolatry? Go back to the Ten Commandments. Right? Sin. So this is our starting point. The starting point is worship, and we're going to end with that too, but our starting point is worship. This, this drawing of the church to, to worship the Lord. The praise worthiness of God, to bless God the Father. Blessed be God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's our second phrase, right? So first one is God, 
and the Father. Blessed be God the Father. And the second phrase is of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the, right here already, we can, we can start to see in this text that, that, that Paul is uh, in, informing us also of a, of, a, of a Trinitarian nature of God. Right? This is Trinitarian language. Right? We have God the Father, and we have who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And later on the verse, you can see it later if you want to look down, it says what? The spiritual blessings. Right? So we have the three parts of the Trinity in this one verse. Three parts of the Trinity. So here we have Trinitarian language being explained. God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. All three parts of the Trinity are revealed here, as well as their roles. As well as their roles. All of this in one verse. We worship God the Father. We worship God the Father. But all of our worship, all of our adoration, all of our, all of our praise is through the person of Jesus Christ. If you are not worshiping Jesus Christ, then you are not worshiping the Father. Right? Isn't that what, isn't that what Jesus says? You, you do not know me, therefore you don't know the Father. If you don't see me as the Son, then you're definitely not going to recognize the Father. And that's what he's saying here. There's Trinitarian language here that's being brought out and showing us that we worship God the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. And what does it say here? So it says, Bless, bless be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of it comes through. And, and what this is showing us as well, like that, that Trinitarian language, this is our Christian distinction as well. Um, just kind of a side note, th- this is what makes us different than any other religion. Makes us different. Because we worship Christ. We worship Him, right? We are acknowledging His deity. We are acknowledging the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, three in one. And all the access that we have to God the Father is all through Christ. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who's the me? Jesus. All through Christ. All through Him. And because it's through Christ... Because it is through Christ, us as believers, those who are in Christ, we have, we have two major benefits here. Two major benefits. We can turn to Galatians and see these things, and we'll, we'll read one of the verses. But we have, through him, we have gained freedom. That only in Christ, is what we've been reading in Hebrews 10, I don't know if you caught it, but only in him have we been gaining freedom. Galatians 5.1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Jesus did not, he did not just save us from something, but he saved us to something. He saved us for freedom. That only in Christ, only in Christ, through, our, through that is where we will find freedom. So that's the first benefit. The second benefit is through him we have gained confidence. Once again, Hebrews 10. We have gained confidence. We've gained confidence uh, going forward to Ephesians 3, verses 11 through 12. He says this. He says, This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We have confidence. We have confidence now that we come before the Lord in freedom. 
all because it is through, through Christ Jesus, our Lord. They're not, he's not pitting them against one another. He's not putting Jesus against God the Father. He's not saying Jesus is better than God. They're one. And they have worked all things out together for our salvation, for our freedom, for our confidence in the gospel. This is the good news. That is good news. Especially for us Gentiles. That is good news. We have no access except through the Son. And so when we worship, right, when we work to bless God, when we work to bless God, the praiseworthiness of God, always in the forefront of our worship is the Son, Jesus Christ. We worship this way. We worship this way. Always in mind, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, acknowledging the three in one. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Third who has blessed us in Christ. Who has blessed us in Christ. Note here what's happening. Same word, transitioning, right? From an adjective, blessed God, to what? Who has blessed us in Christ. Now to a, to a verb form. And it says here, is that, is that what he is saying here is now the one who is to be blessed, the one who is praiseworthy, right? Infinitely praiseworthy, is now the one who is blessing. He is now the one who is blessing. The transition here. I love this. I love this play on words that he's using. The one who is to be blessed is now the one who is blessing. This is God now, himself, through Jesus Christ, his son, blessing us, actively blessing us. The saints, the church, he is Blessing us. John MacArthur commented on this point saying, consistent with his perfection and praiseworthiness, blessed be God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is to be supremely blessed for his goodness is himself the supreme blesser who bestows goodness. The supreme blesser is also bestowing his goodness and blessing on his people. Even if God has not has given us nothing, he is still infinitely worthy to be blessed. And yet the one who has, who is, who has and is worthy of blessing, this supreme, supreme blessed one, in his goodness, he has blessed us. And he is bestowing his goodness upon us. And has given us his goodness. When I, was, when I was thinking about this and meditating, I, what just keeps coming to my mind was Romans 8.28. How many of y'all know that verse? Nobody? Nobody knows Romans 8.28? Bill barely knows it. Anybody? Pathetico, right? Romans 8.28, we know this. Let's say it. And we know that for those who love God, or the Lord, translation, blah, 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 all things work together for good, not bad but good for those who are what? Called according to His pronoun, God, right? His purposes, right? And then, of course, verse 29 is even more spectacular. It's phenomenal. And it, it's so reminiscent of this passage in Ephesians 1. 
so reminiscent that the one, the ones who are in Christ, as he conforms to her, the ones who love God, that all things, all things are working for good for those who are called according to God's purposes. This is what he's teaching us. This is what he's showing us. And what we also see here, just a, another stern reminder, the means by which any of us are blessed, those, that goodness, from Romans 8, 28, all that goodness is all through Christ. It's all through Christ. It is all through him. Every blessing that we have ever received are, is all in Christ. I love this, this saying that, that all the promises, meaning all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. That every blessing, every blessing is through Christ. Given to us by God the Father through Christ. And once again, the emphasis of us. Who is the us again? Right? You can respond. You can say this. The saints. That's right. And who are the saints? Uh, okay. You can do that. Us. Well, I'm expecting that, but who are, okay, who are they? Right? The saints, they are the ones who are the church. Thank you. They're in the church. They're the ones who are in Christ. They're the beloved. They're the ones who are in him, the church. So who are the ones who are blessed? In this passage, who are the ones who are blessed? The church. He is not talking about the world. He's not talking about these general blessings of the air we all breathe, which are definitely God's grace to us, but he is talking about very specific blessings that have been designed for the church, for us, for you, for me, together. All of us. For us. God's blessings have been designed for the church. And if you are a part of that church, those blessings are on you. God is blessing us. Now, what does that mean to be blessed by God? What does that mean, these blessings? Is it comfort? Is it power? Is it prestige? Is it wealth? Is it popularity? Or is it something deeper? Something greater? Something eternal? Well, let's look at the next phrase. Let's look at the next phrase. He has blessed us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, with every spiritual blessing with every spiritual blessing what i find amazing in this one phrase here what i find amazing in this 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 one phrase with every spiritual blessing we see the vast blessings of god poured out on his people every blessing is encompassed in this one phrase every bit of it has poured on his people from the past to even now and to the future is all encompassed in this phrase. And it's all being accomplished through the Holy Spirit. These spiritual blessings, right? So here's the third, the third usage of the word, right? We see blessed, the adjective, bless, the verb, and now we see blessing, blessing here as the noun, the gift, the generous gift, the blessing. So what are these spiritual blessings? Well, they're not what we were talking about before. They're not, they're not the physical gifts. These spiritual gifts are, are, not, are not your paycheck. It's not 
It's, it's not getting a new car. It's not getting the promotion at work. It's not, it's not any of those things. They're spiritual blessings. They're not, they're not something that are produced by the hands of man. They're spiritual blessings. They're, they're blessings that only God, through Christ, can accomplish. These blessings are way deeper. They're way deeper than anything we can accomplish or anything that we can get. These are the kind of blessings that, that, that fulfilled the law. The law in which none of us could stand. These spiritual blessings are the work of God. And only God. We all want God to bless us some way and somehow. We're always kind of saying that. We, most of our prayers, 90% of it is, is, is dealing with we want, we want, we need this. I, I, I want this to happen. We all, we all want that in some way and somehow. But what we fail to realize is the amazing spiritual blessings that God has already bestowed upon those who are in Christ Jesus. We turn more to the I wants. We, we, we spend more time with the things that we, we feel we're lacking in this life instead of turning toward how God has already given so much to us. And I'm not even talking about the things. Strip all of that away. And let's look at the deeper blessings of God. The blessings that we have received from God are eternal blessings. They're not temporal. If it's something that, that, that can be destroyed, if it's something that's going to rust, if it's something that could be taken away, then that's not the blessings that Paul is talking about here. Those aren't the spiritual blessings of God. If all those things could be taken away, if, that, if it's one of those, then it is not the blessings that we're talking about here. So what are these spiritual blessings? Well, the spiritual blessings are actually detailed in verses 4 through 14. So if you've been reading through Ephesians in these last couple weeks, and I continue to ask you to do that, that you know already that when I say these, you're going you're to realize, oh, these are the spiritual blessings of God. So let's go over them real quick. I'm not going to read the verses, but you can look at them. I'll, show, I'll, I'll tell you what they are, but, and you can look at them. Verses 4 through 6, kind of glance at those real quick. Verses 4 through 6. That blessing there, that spiritual blessing only done by the Lord is the election that he has placed upon those who are in Christ. The predestination. That he knew us and chose us before the foundation of the world. The spiritual blessings of God. Number one, right here. That to those who are a part of the church, those who are in Christ, have been adopted and elected and predestined before the foundation of the world. before the very first Adam was being set in the motion, the put in place, before God said, let there be light, he did this. Mind blown, right? <laughs> Can't fathom that. Number two, verses seven through eight. Look at verses seven through eight. Spiritual blessing number two. He has given us redemption and forgiveness 
before you even sinned, he forgave you. And he has given us redemption. Look at that. Verses 9 and 10. Look at verses 9 and 10. Number three, he, the knowledge of his will. The knowledge of his will. He is revealing to us in his word the knowledge of his will. And those who are in Christ receive the knowledge of his will. Verse 11. This is number four. Rich inheritance. We're not talking about moolah here. We're not talking about Powerball. We're not talking about those things because those things can be stolen. Those things can, be, can pass away. We're talking about the rich inheritance that lasts in eternity. Not just 70 years of, of wealth or 80 years of wealth or 100 years of wealth. We're talking kajillions of years of rich inheritance. Spiritual blessing number five. Verses 12 and 13. He has given us regenerate grace. Meaning those whom he is, those whom he has predestined and those whom he has elected unto salvation, he will save. He has given you regenerate grace. In verse 14, this is our last one. Number six is the promised Holy Spirit. These are the spiritual gifts. These are the spiritual blessings that God has poured out on us. And, and, and how we've turned these things into so many other areas, like so many other things, like, like election, predestination. That's just something to be argued about. That's just something to, be, to argue about. Redemption, forgiveness. Well, that only happened one time when I went forward and shook the hand of the preacher. The knowledge of God's will. Well, that's, that's only for those who read the Bible and who have time to study the God's Word. Rich inheritance, ah, that's not for now. That's for later. Regenerate grace, I don't even know what that means. Oh, how we have ignored so much. And not even get to the last one, the promised Holy Spirit, right? How we've ignored that third part of the Trinity how we've ignored these rich blessings of God. We have clung so tightly to the world's blessings. These things are just in passing, maybe for Wednesdays and Sundays only at best. The world's blessings are things that we can achieve, things that we can take credit for, but these are the spiritual blessings of God. Meaning in these spiritual blessings of God, in those six things that we just uh, said, yeah, you, reality is, is you, have, you have no part in any of that. All right, you, are the, you are the one receiving the blessing. You have no part. There's no work. There's no ability to achieve these blessings, but only by God's grace. You are the recipient. And what I, want to, what I want to plead with you this morning is be the recipient. Stop saying that you can achieve something. Stop saying that it was you who chose God. 
And just rest in what Paul is revealing to us and saying that God has chose you. That God saved you from the foundation of the world. He called you. He elected you. Rest in that. Believe that. Rest in it. Let it be the comfy, warm blanket that makes you feel warm and secure in times of suffering. Because what you can achieve, it can be taken away. But what God can achieve, nobody can thwart. You are the recipient. Do not underestimate or belittle these blessings that God has accomplished from eternity's past for you and for His glory. Do not underestimate them. Can, can we see now why Paul started off now by saying, blessed be God the Father? Why he started off in worship and praiseworthiness of God? Can we see that now? Can we see now why he wants us to, to worship God in light of these things? His intent was not to have churches split and churches get angry at each other because of what the word means and are you really elected or are you really predestined. He didn't mean all that. He meant this for our encouragement. He meant it for our joy. He meant it for God's glory. What God has done. Can we bless God because of these things? And if we lost every other blessing, still God to be praised? And i got to ask this. Just kind of going through those things of the spiritual blessings, is your soul stirred? Does this stir your soul at all, or are you just... Does it stir you at all? Does it stir your affections to find joy deeper, deeper, deeper? I'm talking deeper, not shallow. I'm talking swimming in the adult pool of God's grace. Does it stir your affections? The temptation for us is to believe on many levels, that God has withheld from us. And I, I think this is the, there's a really important word in that phrase, every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. God has not withheld from you anything. There's nothing that God has withheld from you that matters. It's the same lie that Eve believed in the garden that God is withholding something from her. Same thing with Adam, right? They believe the same lie. And that same lie is propagated today. That God is withholding something from me. That's why I'm not happy. God is withholding something. That's why I'm struggling in my marriage. God is withholding something from me. That's why I'm not doing well at work or doing well in school or whatever it may be in this life. But what we see here is that God is giving those who are in Christ every spiritual blessing. He is not withholding from you. He's not withholding anything from you. He is not withholding. And this is where I believe, this is, this is where our sanctification, our holiness is so important in understanding that in our holiness, and that's our pursuit of holiness, right? All of our pursuits of holiness, that's what we're growing toward in our obedience toward God's word, 
our sanctification, to become more sanctified, to look more like a saint. Right? God has called you a saint now and start looking like one. Right? That process is so important to understand how it's worked through every spiritual blessing. That in these blessings is the, is, is the tools, the tools on being sanctified and becoming more and more holy. We don't want to ignore it. He's given us everything for our spiritual growth. And the last phrase, the last phrase here is in the heavenly places. In the heavenly places. So, so every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now this is an interesting, this is a very unique phrase for the book of Ephesians. We'll encounter it, uh, let's see, three more times in, in the book. Or no, four more times, I'm sorry. Uh, heavenly places. It, it's, rare, it's rarely in any other part of, of Paul's writing. But in Ephesians, in Ephesians, he is saying the heavenly places. And, and now we, we want to believe that that's the, like a location, right? Heaven, boom, location, right? And, and it's used as, a, as a, a locale or a location, right? But there's, but there's deeper intended purposes here. There's a deeper perspective here that, that Paul is giving us, but the Holy Spirit is, is giving us a deeper intent to help us understand these spiritual blessings, Help us understand these spiritual blessings. That God's eternal plan, that God's eternal plan and purposes of redemption from before the foundation of the world, you all saw that in verses 5 or 4 through 6, as well as in the following as it continues to explain it. We're what? We're all from the heavenly places. From heaven's past. Heaven's eternal. In Christ. All of these things were from the heavenly places. Places. So, so these gifts, these gifts, these blessings, are are not just a blessing that that is to be experienced like in the future, right? All those blessings of one through six that we went through are not just for eternity's past, but they're also for the here and now. They're also for the the here and now. They are they are gifts by which we we use, as I was saying earlier, for our sanctification and for our holiness. Not only is it for our future, but it is for our present as well. And what they do is they highlight the superiority of God's grace toward us. That our happiness and joy that we've received in Christ is not a joy of this world, right? It's not a joy of this world, but it's one that is now set on the eternal it's a perspective of, of the eternal, the heavenly, and the everlasting life. We have an eternal mindset because of these spiritual gifts, our spiritual blessings. I, that's, I've been saying that all week, spiritual gifts, but it's spiritual blessings. It gives us an eternal mindset. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, and, and, and Paul talking to, uh, to Timothy into the church about, about training and uh, disciplining oneself for, for godliness. He says this, he says, For while bodily training is some value, godliness is a value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life. So, there's, so as we, we press into the, the work and the training and the discipline of godliness and the value of godliness for the promise of what it has for today. But what does he say as well? He says, and also for the life to come. 
that these spiritual blessings that God has given us in working out that godliness and that holiness and that sanctification in our life is, this, is for this present life and also for the life to come. That God, in giving us these spiritual blessings, is not just saying this is something for later, but He is saying this is for later, but it's also for now. He is for our joy now as much as He is for your joy eternally. I, I, I firmly believe, and I may, be, I may be wrong on this, but that the pursuit of a Christian in this life, even though filled with suffering, and even filled with pain, and even filled with loss, and temptation, and sin, that our joy should just continue on its way from this life to the next. And there should be no blip. Like, like you're just, ah, I'm joy, I'm joy, and then you get to heaven and you're like, ah, I'm joyful! It should be the same. Because it's not the circumstances that dictate our joy, but it's God's grace. It's God's grace. I thought of this verse, um, I think maybe some of y'all were thinking too, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and life abundantly. And that life abundantly is not just heaven, but that life abundantly is even now. And it's not the wealth, it's not the riches, it's a life abundant found in the spiritual blessings of God. The spiritual blessings of God, the things that we went through. So let me close with this three things real quick. Nah, it's not going to be real quick. Don't believe me. Number one, we are blessed. Three blessings is what I call this, but it's we are blessed to have informed worship. That our worship is informed by the way God has blessed us in Christ. These spiritual blessings are informed by God. So it's not just how we sing externally. So when I say worship, I'm not just talking about what we do on, on Sunday mornings together when we sing externally, but it's how your heart sings internally, right? It's how your heart sings internally. And, and how your heart sings internally is that you are informed by the knowledge of God and these, these deep things of, of God. Christianity very much is an intellectual religion. People don't like me using that word religion with Christianity, but just deal with it. That's what it is. Christianity is very intellectual, very intellectual. But I also want to tell you this, that Christianity is also very emotional. Some of y'all men don't like that, but it is. I said this, I don't know if I said this last week, but we, we, we think deeply so that we can feel deeply. And if you're thinking deeply and you're not feeling it, then something's gone wrong. But if you're feeling it and you're just all loopy-goopy and you're not thinking deeply, then you've missed it too. Our our emotions, the way that we feel, is informed by how we think. And how we think is what we've been talking about. Our worship, our, our, our worship of God is informed by the rich blessings that have come through Jesus Christ. The praiseworthiness of God is informed by what we see in this text, the, the, the worship of who Christ is and the rich spiritual depth of the blessings of God, that if God never gives you another raise, and if God never heals you, or if God never gives you what you want in this life, that you still can bless the praiseworthiness of God because of these spiritual blessings that He has given you. Our worship is informed 
by these things. It needs to be deep. But so, so often, do we, do we let how we feel dictate how we sing? The, the illustration that came to my mind was from John chapter 6. In, in John chapter 6, we won't read the whole thing because it's really long. It's really long, 70-something verses. But in John chapter 6, I'll just kind of go over with you. I think you'll remember a lot of it. In verses 1 through 16, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He's teaching them. Gets to be late in the day. You heard, remember the disciples, hey, Jesus, it's getting late. Send these people away so they have enough time to get home. And Jesus said, I'll take care of it. You know, and he gets the food and he blesses it. And, and all these people eat out of his very meager, meager uh, uh, amount. And when the crowds become too intense, Jesus leaves. He just, the way he does, right? And then I love it in John. He just kind of mysteriously is like, he's there, then he's gone, right? And he goes up into the mountains to, to pray. And at that point, the, the, uh, the disciples, are, they just get in a boat and they're heading across the lake. And the storm comes, and then that's when Jesus walks on water. Another one of my favorite passages, Jesus walking on water, verses 16 through 21. They get to the other side of the lake, and I believe it was Capernaum where they got to. The other next day, the, all the, the crowd of multitude, they're back at the other place, and they're going, where's Jesus? We're hungry again. Let's go find him. And so they wander around, and they get to Capernaum, and there's where Jesus is at. They found him. And so Jesus begins to teach in a totally different way, I think, than he taught the day before. He starts from the very beginning. that You've only found me because you're hungry, meaning your stomach hurts. You want something to eat. He says, but the, but the bread that I give is bread that's not something that you can just eat. But it's, it's, it's a bread that is receiving me. It's eating of me. Right? And this is where everybody thinks now Jesus is a cannibal. Right? You must eat of my flesh if you have any part of me, if you want life. And, and there becomes like this, this massive, massive, massive statements there of what Jesus says. And he gets in these, these deep discussions with these guys that were trying to entrap Jesus, right? The Pharisees and the lawgivers and things like that. They're trying to entrap Jesus. And what happens by the end of this conversation is that everybody, the multitude, right? We are not really a multitude. We're a group, right? The multitude of people left Jesus. Because you know what they realize? He's not going to give me any more bread. They walked away. They left. And at the very end, I do want to read this, this part, if I can find it really quick. The very end, though. After everybody leaves. There it is. At the very end, this is what happens. It says this, verse 60. It says, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this. And the reason is, is you want to know what happened? Because they were thinking, this is awesome. Jesus has got like this big crowd. That makes us cool because we're with him. And they get mad. They're grumbling because people are leaving. People are being run away by the truth. And this is what Jesus says. Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending and descending where he was before? If the Spirit is who gives life, the flesh is no hope at all, no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are the Spirit and life. 
but there are some among you who do not believe. Verse 65, and he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. Verse 66, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And we believed and have come and, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Verse 70, which is going to sound a lot like Ephesians 1.4. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. And he spoke of Judas to Simon Iscariot. And what we see here in this passage, here, and I wonder if you caught this, is how many of us are like those disciples who just want Jesus to give me stuff? And not really see the real richness of who Christ is. The eating of him is the real spiritual blessings that gives us life, abundant life now. The real abundant life now. Our worship is more than just words that we sing, but it is a daily life of obedience to God and being satisfied in Him. That's our worship. So we, we're blessed to, to now have our, our worship informed, but we are also blessed with, with great blessings, with these great blessings, right? So let's not look around anymore for what, what the world can offer us or what, what we, we can gain through the world and call those blessings, but let's look to the blessings that God has given to us in Christ. Do not spend your life searching and chasing out the blessings of man, but devote yourself to discover the greater eternal wealth of the spiritual blessings of God. Devote yourself to it. When you receive blessings, blessings that are of this world, don't. now we're going to receive those things, and those things are good, right? And when we receive those things, those things aren't meant to just end on us, but we are to use them to the glory of God. We receive great blessings. We, we can enjoy good meals together. We can enjoy good fellowship together. Some of us do have, we, we are able to achieve and do many great things, but all of that is to be rolled up to the praise and glory of God. So I'm not denying those things. Those things are good. But don't let them be the blessings that you depend on. And I think the one who realizes these, the greater spiritual blessings that God has given us, that we'll see all other blessings, we'll see all other blessings as a way to, 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 to bless other people, to serve one another, and in all that, we'll give glory to God. That all of those things are used for the kingdom. And we're leveraging it all for the kingdom. Not for me, not for my comfort, not for, for my own desires, but for the kingdom, for God's glory. Because we're not banking in this life, we're not banking, we're not, we're not putting it in the, the bank account of this world, but our treasures are where? In heaven, right? The heavenly places. We're banking on that. And we're also blessed, we're also blessed, this is my last one, we're also blessed to put sin to death. 
blessed to put sin to death. And it says here in verse 3, read it. I'm just going to read it again. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that what? That we should be holy and blameless before him. That these spiritual blessings that has been given to us, the intent of these blessings for the here and now is for us to put sin to death. To put sin to death. When we are faced with temptation, remember the great spiritual blessings that God has given to you. That he has given to you as a saint. And that as a saint, he has poured these great spiritual blessings on you. And that which he has given you every spiritual blessing. That besetting sin by which you feel like you can't ever beat is not because God is withholding something from you. There's not some kind of grace He has not given you. He has given you every. Press in all the more. Set your affections on those great blessings of God. And let the knowledge of God's wonderful grace be the weapons by which we fight sin and by which we put sin to death. Change your desires from worldly satisfaction to eternal blessings. To eternal blessings. So our highlight in all of this is God's grace and what He has done once again. By His grace, He has given you every spiritual blessings. My hope is that we would rest in that this morning and you go home resting in this. Cease striving and resting in it you would enjoy them. You would give glory to God in that. You will kill sin and you will fight temptation in that. You will love one another by that. You will serve one another in that. You will forgive and you will live humbly by that grace. You will share the gospel by that grace. Because all of our effort is driven by that grace. Is all driven by that grace. Every spiritual blessing from the heavenly places he has given to us who are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your work. And we pray now that these things will dig deep into our hearts, into our lives, that we may enjoy you more, that we would be able to worship clearer, we would be able to understand the, the, the richness and the depths of your grace. That those sins that we've, might have, we've been struggling for years with, that by now we would be able to put them to death with these every spiritual blessings that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that you would unite us in these things for our joy and for your glory. Amen.